everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Well, good morning. We are looking at um, a small book called the Book of Haggai, or maybe you know it as Haggai. Um, Haggai is a what was considered a minor prophet. Uh, the reason why he was considered a minor, minor prophet it was because just the, the, the small amount um, of the literature, uh, the manuscript that he wrote, um, but it packs a big, big punch. And the main theme for Haggai uh, and the challenge for all of us, so that's why we call it Haggai and I, uh, Haggai and I. And so it really what that means is like what Haggai says is what I should do and what you should do, what I should do and what you should do. Uh, and that is to consider your ways, to consider your ways. The, that phrase, consider your ways, that Haggai gave uh, means to set your mind or your heart on it, to set your mind and your heart on it. When you and I, when we set our minds, when we set our hearts on something, uh, that, that we, we're determined to have it. We're determined to get it. We're determined, you know, to do something different. We're determined to do something better. The, the whole overarching theme of Haggai was is that Solomon built this beautiful temple. The Babylonians came in and destroyed that temple. Uh, after a certain amount of period, 50, 60 uh, years, uh, God, you know, allowed the people to go back to their home and he gave them directive to be rebuild the temple, to rebuild the temple. So for us, maybe you have something in your life, I know I do, that I need to have rebuilt. I know that there's some things in my life that I need to, you know, set my heart to or set my mind to it uh, so that I can experience that change that's necessary in that particular area. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's something to do with your career. Maybe it's a parenting thing. Maybe it's a marriage thing. Whatever it is for you, all of us have something that needs to be considered in change. All of us have something that we need to rebuild or put our hands and our mind and our heart to. All of us have that. So that's really what Haggai is all about. It's just challenging us uh, in that way. We looked at the first week. I would recommend if you haven't been a part of this series with us, go back to the first week because oftentimes we get we misplace our priorities. That's what happened uh, to God's people. They misplaced their priorities. Uh, they made uh, their lives about themselves instead of their life about God. They put themselves at the center of their life instead of putting Jesus or, or in our terms in the, at the center of our lives, and so they, we, they had misplaced priorities. Um, they, the, last week, we looked at the idea of, of what, you know, what we all experience in this life, and that is we get discouraged. We all get discouraged. There's, it doesn't take much for us to, to get discouraged, and the challenge that Haggai gave to God's people was take courage, take courage, take courage, and, he, and here's why. So I just want to sort of pick up where we left off last week, and then we'll continue on there. So Haggai, chapter number two, verse four. So here's why, where we get the, the idea of taking courage instead of being discouraged. Because um, Haggai tells uh, God's people, uh, take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage, Joshua. Take courage, all the people of the land, you know, declares the Lord. And, and, and the works, for I am with you, declared the Lord of armies. So um, simple fact is that God is with you. God is for you. God is not against you. He loves you. He's, he's equipped you. He, he's, you. He's got an amazing plan for, for your life and, and, and a purpose for your life. And so he's with you. So that should give us courage even even in the times where we are discouraged. 
And then he says this, verse 5. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt. So we said that this is a picture of of our salvation. This is a picture of the, uh, Egypt is a, is a picture of sin. It's a, it's a metaphor for sin. And, and, and God is saying, listen, just as that promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt or when you were delivered out of sin and, and Moses who, who brought God's people out of that captivity and out of that oppression and out of that bondage in Egypt, Moses is a picture of Jesus, and Jesus takes you and I out of the oppression, out of the bondage of sin, and he brings us out into a better land. That's the picture. That's the whole theme of the Bible. The whole theme of the Bible is redemption. God wants to bring you out of a bad situation and lead you into a better one. That's the story of God, and that's your story. So take courage in that. Take courage in that. How many of you, just for fun and engagement and just so that you're awake and with me, how many of you God brought out of the bondage of the oppression of sin? How many of you is in, in, in this room that you can say, I know that Jesus led me out? Is that anybody in here today? All right. All right. We're warming up. We're warming up. All right. We'll get there. We'll get there. Good, good. So he says this. He says, do not, do not fear. Like, don't get discouraged. Like, God brought you out of the worst case scenario for you. He's already done that work. He's already brought you out of the most difficult, impossible situation that you can be in. That you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. And God led you out of that. What do you have to be discouraged about? Take courage in that. Do not fear. And what the amazing thing is, is that God doesn't just like leave us alone either. He doesn't say like, you know what? I got, I led you out of there. Now, good luck. He ascended into heaven. He's now at the right hand of the father. And now you got to fend through this life on your own. No, he says, my spirit remains in your midst. My spirit remains in your midst. As a matter of fact, because of the new covenant of what Jesus has done for us, the new covenant, the new promises of God, the spirit of God isn't just in our midst. The spirit of God is in you. You are the temple. Like this is the picture. Like he's saying, listen, the old temple, the temple of the old covenant, that was destroyed. That was taken down. But God says, listen, I've got a better temple in mind. I've got something better in mind that I'm going to raise up not a place, not a building, but I'm going to raise up a people and my spirit will be in them, not just in or around and in their midst. Do not Fear greater is in you than he, the enemy who is in the world. Do not fear. Do not fear. Let's move on. For this is what the Lord of armies says. Once more, in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. Now, What is he talking about now? Well, Haggai is now giving us a picture of what's going to happen far into the future. That it hasn't even happened yet 
for us today, but he said, in a little while, it will. In a little while, it will. Now, I have exhaustively talked about over the last month or two of how short life is. So I don't need to spend a lot of time, but I keep, we keep in the text, not because I'm pursuing it, but in the text, we keep seeing this theme in a little while, in a short time, in a, you know, there's, there's, because that's the, that's how life is. We're, we're, you know, minimized to time and space, but God is not, God is not. We're confined to time and space, but God is eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting. But he's saying, but Haggai is saying, in a little while, in a little while, Jesus is going to come back. This is what he's referring to. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. One day, according to Haggai, a few thousand years ago, he said, in a little while, God is coming to the earth and he's going to shake some things up. He's going to shake some things up. I don't know about you, but do some things these days feel a little shaky? Does it feel like he's shaking some things up right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's saying in a little while. Now, here's the way that Peter wrote it just a few thousand years ago. But do not let this one fact, Peter's like, there's one fact that shouldn't escape you. Don't let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like, it's like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. In other words, for God, he doesn't work the way that we work. He's not limited to time, and he's not limited to space. And the economy of God outside of time and space One day is like a thousand years to him, and a thousand years is like one day. In the the mindset of God and the framework of God, Jesus died on the cross two two days ago, right? Like he sent his son, came to this earth, was crucified, laid in, in a tomb. On the third day, he rose again, right? In the in the mindset of God. Two days ago was when the cross happened. That was thousands of years ago for us, but God is not limited to what we're limited to. So Peter's saying, don't let this fact escape your notice. God is not limited. It seems like God's far away or so much time has gone by and where is God? And this is what they were starting to ask. Well, Peter addresses that. Verse nine, here's what he says. The Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient, but is patient towards you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And Peter's addressing those that are saying, when is he going to come? He's not coming back. There's no way he's not coming back. You know, what God did is what God did, and that's it. He's done. He's over. He's back in heaven. He's at the right hand of like, he's not coming back. And, And Peter's going, listen, listen, don't let this one fact escape your notice. That if he promised that he's coming back again, he's not going to count slowness, but he's being patient. He's being patient. Why? Why? Because he doesn't want your coworker or your family member or your neighbor 
or the person that you, you know, see at the grocery store or the, or the waitress or the waiter at the restaurant. He doesn't want anyone to be lost to God. He doesn't want anyone, when it's all said and done, when he comes back again, it's over. It's finished. It's too late. Now is the time, the time of grace. Now is the time for you to receive him by faith and receive the gift of grace. But when he steps out of heaven in the clouds and he calls us up, it's finished. And wherever you stand with God, that's where you stand with God. And you're either going to be one of two places. You're going to be lost or found. That's it. There's no middle ground for God. You're either lost to God or you're not. And so he's saying, I'm going to wait as long as I possibly can because God loves the world. He loves the world. And he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to be lost to him. So he's going to be patient. And he's going to come back. And for us, this is good news. You know why? For us, this is good news. Because if you know Jesus, you know that you're going to that promised land. And if you know Jesus, you know what he's going to come back to do? He's going to come back and make everything that's wrong in this world, he's going to make it right again. And when you and I are struggling with the injustices of this world, how this world is unfair and how people are treated and, and the circumstances and the situations of this life that we just sort of scratch our head going, what is going on? When he comes back again, all will be right because he's a just God and he will make it all right. But he's a loving, gracious God to wait long enough for everybody to receive the free gift of grace. It's getting tense in here. <laughs> so let's not, let's not be impatient with God's patient promises for not wanting anyone to perish. I know you want justice. You want things to be made right. You hate how this world is and, how, and the corruption and the hatred and the anger and the loss and the pain and the grief and the anxiety, all the things that we hate about this life and has, has affected us. And you know, you know your Bible well enough that when he does come back, it's going to be made right. All things are going to be made new. You know that. But let's not be impatient. Let's not be impatient with God's patient promises for not wanting your coworker, your neighbor, your family member, your friend to be lost to God. And here's what, what we're to do in this time. Let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not become weary. So he's saying, listen, in the meantime, let's be patient because God is and let's not get discouraged, but yet keep doing good. Keep wanting to be a light to the world, a salt 
to the earth. Like, keep desiring that. Why? Because in due time, we will reap if we do not become weary. Don't, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't, don't get discouraged. Keep going. Keep working. Keep going. Haggai goes on to say this. For this is what the Lord of armies says once more. In a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. Now, here's, he says this statement here, once more, once more, once more, right? Once more. So this is a, um, a statement that he's saying, listen, I, what that means is he's already shaken the earth a couple times prior to this. Okay? He's already done this a couple times prior. The first time that he did, he, he shaked the heavens and the earth, was when God's people at Mount Sinai received the law of God. And God showed up in a, in a powerful way, and the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, they all shook when, when God's people from the time of Moses, when they received the law of God, every, everything, there was a shaking. There was a shaking. There was a second time that God shook the earth and the heavens and the sea and the dry land. And that was when Jesus died on a cross. That was when Jesus took his last breath on the cross. It says that there was a, a, an earthquake that happened. There was a, there was a, the earth was, was moved and shaken. Why? Because that's what God did when, when God took away the sins of the world. When God offered the, the punishment, uh, punishment of sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for our sin. It, it shook the earth. But now Haggai is saying it's going to happen once more. It's going to happen once more. And that is when he comes back again. When he comes back again. It's going to happen once more. The heavens, the earth, the sea also, the dry land, it will all shake. Here's what Peter says next in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be discovered. It will be discovered. So knowing this, knowing this, that it can happen in a moment. It, it, he, he describes it as like a, a thief. We're not, we're not expecting it. We're not ready for it. So he's saying the day will come like a thief and then where the, the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed. He's saying, listen, you got to be ready. You need to be ready for that. So what I, what I say, say to all of us and what Haggai is saying to us really is we got to be alert. We got to be alert. We got to be ready and alert for the fact that he is coming again. And when he's coming again, you're going to feel it. And you're going to know it. So we got to be alert. First Thessalonians says it this way. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord is coming just like a thief in the night. So Paul's saying it the same way, this way to the church in Thessalonica. Verse 3. While they are saying peace and safety... Then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So then he says this, verse six. So then let's not sleep as others do, but let's be alert and sober. So Paul's saying thousands of years ago, be on alert, be on alert, be ready, be ready. A number of years ago, um, over 10 years ago, my wife and I took a little trip weekend away 
to Grand Rapids. And um, we, we just, just wanted to just spend a, a couple days, weekend away in Grand Rapids. And so uh, we, we got there and we, we put our stuff in, in the hotel room. And then we decided we're going to go out to dinner. And so we start walking. We find a place that we wanted to eat. And so we start walking down the street. And before I know it, I've, I'm feeling my, my head getting attacked and I'm like looking around and I see this bird that is attacking me. He, he's not attacking her or she or whatever. She, it probably is a she because it was a mama bird. She wasn't attacking my wife. She was attacking me. Like I, and I couldn't escape this thing. Like I, we couldn't, and I'm thinking it was just maybe a one-time warning shot. Like, and, but this thing kept going. This thing kept attacking me. So I, we finally like scurry out of the area and we go and eat. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that this bird is going to attack me again. So I'm like, so we're walking back to our hotel room after we eat dinner. And this same darn bird Attack me again, not her, just me, just me. As a matter of fact, to prove it, you can Google a red-winged black bird attacks people in Grand Rapids. It was national coverage. I'm not kidding. Google it. Red-winged black bird attacks people in Grand Rapids. ABC News, the, the, the national ABC News covered the story. I watched it last night, okay? I wasn't on there, but I was attacked by this red-winged black bird. You know what I wasn't? I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't alert. But you know every time that I walked outside after that? You better believe I was ready. And to this day, I'm ashamed of this, but I, it's true. I'm sorry, I'm, but I'm, afraid, I'm a little bit afraid of birds. <laughs> that thing, that mama bird, just protecting her little baby nest of birds, that thing shook me. I was shaken with that thing. I was shaken with that thing. Now, that was the illustration that I was planning on sharing for a few days. But let me give you another one. So my wife and I, we like to go away. <laughs> so we were away not too long ago. You may remember. While we were gone, we're getting calls from our neighbor saying, there's some people in your yard with guns or something along those lines. Yeah. So we're going. So, we, so Katie like calls her mom because her mom is watching our, our kids while we're, while we're gone. And she's going, what is going on? And, and her mom's going, there's some, there's some teenagers that are here. Um, they, they have water guns and they're looking, they're, they're trying to get uh, Nathan, my son Nathan is 16. Nathan is involved in this water wars thing through his school, okay? So the, all the wall, I don't, it, it, listen, you get a teenager, these are the weird things that are gonna happen. So what it, what it is, is there's teams of people, teams of people, and then you got to go around, your team has to go around and shoot uh, other teams with water guns, and they're out. And so the last team standing wins, and they, they win somewhere around like 600 bucks, something like that, the winner. Huh? Okay, so not, not that much, but a couple hundred bucks. Okay, a couple hundred bucks. So they win a couple hundred bucks if, they, if the last team's standing. So, so 
every single morning that we leave to go, I, have to take, I take Nathan to school, every single morning we leave, he's on high alert. Like, I'm like, wipe, I'm like just throwing my glasses on. I'm trying to, and he's just like stealth, like out of the house, like wondering, are these kids going to show up at our house again and spray him with a water gun? He's on high alert. And I'm not, I'm not. So a couple days ago, I'm out on a run. I'm just minding my own business. I'm thinking peace and safety. While I'm on a run, I see this car pull up. Teenagers get out of their car with water guns and they start shooting me. I was like, what is, I'm not a teenager. Like, what are you doing? Like, they were just messing with me. And I come home and I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Like, what are you talking about, dad? I'm out. I got shot. I'm out. He was on alert, high alert, but I was not. Listen, we need to be on alert. We need to be on alert. And some of us are just not. Some of us are just not ready. And there's going to be a day that he is going to come back again. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for that? Haggai says this, I will shake all the nations. All the nations will be shaken. And they will come with the wealth of all nations. In other words, it's just to try to help us understand what this means. And they will come with what is desirable from all nations. Now, let me give you a little bit of context. What God is saying is, remember, if you, could, if you remember, they were discouraged because of how unimpressive their temple was. You remember this? They were, they were like, this, it doesn't compare to Solomon's temple. Our temple is not as impressive as Solomon's temple. And so they were comparing the two that they were trying to rebuild. And what God is saying is this. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if I chose, if I wanted to, that I could shake up the nations and they, they would be forced to come and bring all their desirable things to this temple, but that's not what God wanted. But he's, he's telling them that. Like, I can do this, but that's not what I, that's not what I want you want to do at the, in this time. But I can. If, if God says, I, if, I, if I want to move the heart of man, I will move the heart of man. And, and, and they, will, they will come with all the desirable things. They will come with all the desirable things from all nations if I so choose. And here's what it says. I will shake all the nations and they will come with the wealth of all nations and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. Then look what he says in verse eight. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. Now, here's what he's also saying. He's also saying 
that everything good, beautiful, desirable, anything that you've accumulated in your life, your, your savings accounts, your retirement, your homes, all of it, all of it is his. It's all his. Like, I know you, you've achieved and accomplished and you're successful and you've accumulated stuff and you have margin to work with and you can do the trips and you can pay for the thing and you can have all the nice stuff, but God's saying, listen, it's all mine. It's all mine. It's all mine. And then he's saying, but... Let not those things, this is so important. Let not those things, those desirable earthly things be the most desirable in your life. Here, here, here's the way that we'll say it. The earthly things we seek are hints that our hearts desire to be satisfied. Okay, so the, the, the things that we pursue in this life, the desirable things that we want in this life, the things that we want to achieve and accomplish and accumulate, he's like, that's your heart saying to you, you desire more. And these earthly things won't cut it. They won't cut it. It won't give you what you need. For example, um, like I mentioned recently, my wife and I went away. We like to go away. And we went to an ocean, okay? Going to an ocean, sitting on a beach, taking in the breeze. It's a beautiful thing. You agree? Okay. Now, it's not at all like this ocean breeze soap that they tell you. Let me read what it says, if I can. Awaken to the clear blue sky, a gentle breeze and refreshing waters. Feel paradise in a bottle. That's the description for this. You know what we do? We settle for this kind of thing in this life. And God's going, I've got so much better for you. Let me give you another example. We settle for bacon bits. And God's going, I've got real thick smoked bacon for you. I mean, I like a good bacon bit too, but come on, there's nothing like the real thing. Let me give you another example just because I'm having fun. So these are, do we have some pictures, Neva? Okay. So this is... Um, this is called, this is in Japan, okay? Just keep scrolling through the pictures, will you? So this is in Japan. 
And it's called the Sakura Sakura Blossom Festival. The Sakura Blossom Festival. The word Sakura means, means um, cherry, cherry. And so in Japan, they're known for having uh, this elaborate, beautiful, as you can see these, these pictures, they, they would have these, 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 this cherry festival, this cherry blossom festival in, in Japan. And so these are, these are the, the images of it. Okay, so, so look, how, look how amazing that is. And, and they, would, they would come and they would have particular uh, times, you know, while this was happening. Uh, and, and, and the window is, is short, right? If you know anything about cherry blossoms, right? They don't, they don't last long. They don't last long. They're, they're, they're you know, they're feeble. It, it, it's only a, 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 a you know, a, a, it's not permanent, right? It's not permanent. So they have this, this festival. They have this festival to remind us that things in this world and the beauty in this world don't last long, right? Now, just, just to keep along with the example, this is a Sakura Blossom Festival candle. It would be me saying, listen, I smell it, I see it, but man, it wouldn't compare to actually being there for it, right? Don't settle for the Yankee candle of Cherry Blossom Festival <laughs> and a few Google images. God's going, I want, I want you to experience so much more. So much more. You know what Haggai was also given a picture of or showing us a picture of? Of something that's gonna happen that hasn't happened yet that will happen when he comes back again. And here's the picture that he's telling us what will happen. In when Christ returns, when Christ returns, there's something that's called the millennial kingdom, the millennial kingdom, where Jesus will come and he will reign and sit on David's throne. And he will stay there for a thousand years and then other things will transpire until ultimately he makes all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. But here's what's going to happen within that thousand year period. Within that thousand year period, all the nations of the world are going to come and they're going to bring their most desirable things to King Jesus. And they're going to present them to King Jesus when he's on that throne. You and I will be there. And we're going to declare to King Jesus, you, you, you are the most desirable thing in my life. Nothing is more beautiful than you. Anytime I can use a C.S. Lewis quote, I will. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, 
Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are. First thing, be, be an alert. Second thing, just be in awe. Be in awe of him. Don't let anything else take your desire that you were meant to have for God. Don't let anything else take that desire away. But be in awe of him. Let's end here. Next verse. And his voice shook the earth. Then now he is promising, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. He says this, this expression, yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of the created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And then he says this, therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. So he's saying, listen, you and I, when he comes back, he's gonna shake everything up. But when you're a part of his kingdom, when you're his son and daughter, you won't be shaken. And your heart and your treasure and your desire is God. It's our treasure. Our treasure is God, not gold. A savior, not silver. The creator, not anything created. Be in awe of him. Be in awe of him. I wanna end this where we're gonna pick up next week. This verse right here. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of armies. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of armies. And where I want us to you know, let, let, um, end this, this morning and pick up next week is to say that God does have a place of peace for you and for me. And the greater glory is here. The greater glory of God is here today in you, in you. Let's pick it up next week. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, your kindness, your patience. God, let us be about the business of being light and salt. God, let us be not discouraged in doing good, but in due time, as long as we keep doing good and not become weary, not wanna quit, not wanna give up, Lord, that we will reap something that is far beyond what we can even imagine. 
But God, we gotta know that, we, that you are coming back again and we gotta be ready for that. We got to be ready for that. And the way that we're ready for that is to say, to say to you, you are our most desirable thing. We desire you, God, over gold. We desire you, our savior, over silver. We desire you as our creator over anything in this earth that is created. God, I pray, Lord, that we, we make you, those that are a part of your unshakable kingdom, that we make you the treasure of our lives. We make you. And we don't settle for anything less than the best that you have in mind for us. That we don't settle for these shallow substitutes that can't and don't even compare to the unexpressible joy and peace that can be found in you. And that what you want to do in and through us, God, far is far greater, is far greater than what you've done in the past. And a place that we can find, a place of peace. And we all need that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.